Okay, so here we go. We're reviewing a classic movie this week. I've got my baseball cap on. We're going to talk about a baseball movie, The Sandlot. We're talking about The Sandlot, and it is my turn to synopsis. Once again, we're reviewing Sandlot. Thanks to our friend Andy, who won the the, the card at Trivia in 2019, <laughs> and uh, he's he finally decided to come out of his slumber and play the card on us. He's like, I want you to review The Sandlot, and we were bound to that. Um, eternally. So here we are. Um, and, and so in honor of baseball season, which is back and which is making me very happy right now, we are going to review the Sandlot and I will synopse. All right. The Sandlot from 1993 directed by David Mickey Evans is a story about um, Scotty Smalls. Who's a new kid in town. He lives with his mother and stepmother or his mother and stepfather, not his mother and stepmother. Um, and it's like the fifties, sixties. It's a period piece. It's something like that. Um, so, uh, he moves to town. He's like a nerd. He has yeah. no friends. He's like trying to get involved. His mom's like, go out there and get some friends, like get in trouble. I don't care. Just stop moping around here. He's trying to build a relationship with his stepdad, Dennis Leary, He's yes. trying to, you know, he wants to like play catch with him. All the, you know, the the father son type things that you see back in the day in these like more traditional, cliched, weird times of like the fifties. And he finds this group of kids who plays baseball all the time and wants to be joined among their ranks. He ends up, um, you know, kind of linking arms with Benjamin Franklin, Benny the Jet, and you know. Benny the Jet Rodriguez, I believe is his name. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. takes him under his wing and teaches him how to play baseball. They end up taking the prized baseball of his stepdad while his stepdad is out of town. And he hits a dinger over the fence into the yard of the beast, which is a big <laughs> mythic dog, um, like St. Bernard type thing, right? Um, that lives in this yard. And there's all these stories about it. And the rest of the movie, they're spending the time trying to get the ball back. So... That is the synopsis of there it the is. Sandlot, 1993, the year of my birth. Yes. And what a year it was. Yes, it was. What what a fantastic year. Uh, I wonder what other like big movies came out. Like, that's that's what we should do. You can't do this, but one episode we're going to have uh, the birth birth years. We did. We did. You. I think you did a post last year that was like. The whatever movie was like the number one movie the, the week you were born or something like that. And mine was right. so weird. I don't remember yeah. what it was. I do not recollect mine whatsoever, but we should do that. Or or the worst uh, the worst movie of the year that you were born. Whichever, whatever we're, what we're feeling uh, on the times of our birthdays. Yep. Yeah, that, that could be interesting. But for now, let's talk about The Sandlot. Let's go into our superlatives. I am going to kick us off with my Oscar, who my Oscar goes to. My Oscar is going to none other than Patrick Renna, who plays Ham Porter. Yes. He's, you know, he's the guy who, who sticks the stick in his mouth and is like, I'm the great Bambino. And they're trying to, it's like a gum cigar or something like that. And they're trying to understand what he's saying. This kid, man. He just he's honestly a great actor. For his for his age, he's just killing it. He has such a natural feel. He is really like a total scene stealer. Every time he's on screen, you have to look at him. He's cracking jokes. He just really seems 
he seems like a very real kid. <laughs> it's it's pretty remarkable because most of the kids in this movie um, struggle from an acting perspective, as you would expect, in the same way that some kids do. You know, they do a good job for kid actors, but it's like, uh, that's obviously a child actor. Um, not, not our friend Ham Porter. I mean, this guy is just all over it. He's... He's just stealing the show one scene after another. The best scene in the movie, in my opinion, is when he's playing catcher against that other team. Uh, yes. And he's he's chirping on, and he's just rattling those jokes off with incredible timing, such ease. It sounds almost improv. It's insane how natural of a feel he has for his age. Um, I like. I don't think um, Patrick Renner went on to like do much as an actor beyond that like he was in he's been in a couple of movies but he's didn't become like a huge actor and i'm actually pretty surprised because his feel and his flow as an actor was just like so well developed for his age so that is my uh my best actor the oscar goes to mr patrick renna that's fantastic. He recently popped up on my radar because uh, I've recently become uh, infiltrated by this former American Idol. Her name is Jax, who's been all over the internet uh, singing random made-up songs and parodies to songs. And one of her newest um, original songs actually is like an, an ode to the 90s. And Patrick Renna shows up in the music video, and he showed up in a couple of her videos like while they were like waiting to be filmed and they were quarantining together as the whole team. So he's he's done some lots of funny stuff recently. And then you told me that we were going to be watching The Sandlot. So That's I was awesome. Rolling. I was rolling. I love it. My best actor, my Oscar, shall go to Mr. Mike Vitar, who plays Benny the Jet. Yeah. Um, his name on IMDb is hilarious because it's Benjamin Franklin Rodriguez. Uh, so I don't know what what the whole uh, what the intention is there. Yeah, they do say that in the in the in the movie. There, he says at the very beginning, like I met Benjamin Franklin Rodriguez, and I'm like, why is his middle name Franklin? That's kind of a weird historical reference. Yes, and so maybe there weren't enough uh, plays on that theme in the movie. Um, I should have paid more attention to that until. Uh, right now, right before when I was like, wait, what's his full character name again? <laughs> um, this kid seemingly was going to be like the next big thing. He's so effortless on camera. Um, he's so, uh, the, he's that cool guy. He's, he's, he's exactly the role model that you want to look up to uh, of all of his good characteristics. He, he understands people. He can relate to you. He cheers for the underdog, even though he is uh, such a hard worker, like basically any professional fantastic athlete that you can imagine right now, who is like that, but nice. There's only a few of them. That's who he is. And, and he embodied it so perfectly. Um, he really didn't go on much to after this as well. Not, honestly, the cast, the whole cast, very few people. Dennis Leary might be at the top of the list who's still a, a, a 100% like A-list actor still working out there. But Mike Vitar, man, I wish he would do more. I don't know that he will. Um, he, man, he got arrested in 2017 for assault no. and some other crazy stuff. It's sad. It's sad. But Ruined. in this movie, in this snapshot, in this time capsule, he is the ultimate actor. Yeah, man, that's sad. That made me, that brought me down. That <laughs> brought me way down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how do I get out of this? Um, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> you, had to, you had to speak the truth, man. It's We can't change the truth. It's just the way that it is. But he doesn't change the fact that in this movie, he did a great job, okay? I just, I just gave him an award and canceled him all in one <laughs> in sentence. One. 
<laughs> right there. Wow. I am part of the problem. <laughs> okay. And now to abruptly transition away from that, we're going to scene stealer. This is the person who popped up and stole the show. Maybe it was a minor role. Maybe it was somebody you weren't expecting to, to steal the show, um, but a performance that you want to call out. That's not a big one. I am going with James Earl Jones, <laughs> who plays Mr. Myrtle. I have to say that James Earl Jones is one of my all-time favorite actors, and this role is a perfect microcosm of what he is able to do on screen. He comes into the picture late. He is supposed to be, you know, he's, you know, uh, I think at one point Squint says, Mr. Myrtle's the meanest man in town, you know? He was mean to my grandpa. So you've got that swirling around in your head whenever you actually meet Mr. Myrtle. And mm-hmm. he's this perfectly pleasant uh, man who is blind. He's a former baseball player. And he just immediately connects with these kids and is like so personable and so lovable. And he, you know, he's got that just like someone who's at peace. He's got that grin on his face the whole time he's talking to them. And, you know, he bails them out of a sticky situation with the, with the Babe Ruth autographed baseball and his character and his performance are really what gives this, gives this movie a really nice ending, a really nice, clean, uh, like that's, that's what we needed to kind of top it off. It was, I feel like in a way the movie kind of meanders around until it gets to the end, but the ending is a great payoff and largely because of James Earl Jones. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful voice, beautiful choice. Um, you can't go wrong with James Earl Jones. My scene stealer, scene stealer goes to Tom Guiri. I don't know if that's how you say his name. It's probably close. I think it's exactly what it is. He smalls. <laughs> smalls. He smalls, man. He's so good. Uh, you know, at the front half of this movie, I had. Um, regrets uh and you know that friction i was like oh no man this really is is this movie is this movie good or is this movie based off my nostalgia and love for it and smalls brought it home for me man there are some there are several scenes that are um very demanding of him uh for for various reasons and he brings it home you know you, this could obviously be a role where you just phone it in uh where you just play like almost a straight man but he really 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 the dives into every every single situation every beat uh, of each scene uh in a very creative way that i wouldn't uh, i wouldn't have done myself right uh, as a former and current actor i wouldn't do myself i wouldn't make those choices and i was very impressed by by the young actor um and he is still acting he's not been in like crazy big stuff but he is consistently finding new work if you scroll through his imdb page so bravo mr tom gory excellent job yeah i think he's a good choice for scene stealer because i think you know he he is one of the young actors who falls into some of the pitfalls that you see young actors fall into but there are there are tons of moments throughout where you're like oh wow that was actually really good um there are tons of like moments where he actually steals the scene there are other moments where he like overacts a little bit or like you know does things that kid actors do um so it's not to be expected and you don't really necessarily give him like black marks for that but there are some scenes like you said where he's just like cash money and it's really good so that's a good call out um okay we're on to showstopper what was the big thing that knocked our socks off about this movie for me it is how they captured the childhood experience in this movie i think it's mm. so beautiful i love yeah. that when the kids are doing stuff, everything is like almost like 
surreal, like a little bit like not like otherworldly. Like when when the dog, the beast is out in the yard, there's like dry ice or smoke coming through the fence. Yes, and like yes. when the vacuums back up and they're trying to suck up the, the tennis ball, it like explodes and fire goes everywhere. Like <laughs> yes. there are things that they do that, you know, at least I feel like they were framing it in a way to where it's like, obviously this didn't happen, but to these kids, that's what happened. And it was so real. And like, even when they square off with the other baseball team, it's like this huge intense showdown, you know, like, that's how you feel as a kid. Everything that you do is small, but feels so big because it's the only reference point that you have. And I just absolutely love that. Every way that they told these little miniature stories throughout the movie, they they just really inject that childhood feeling into it. And, and it just totally, you know, watching that movie as a kid, it's not something that I picked up on, but as an adult, I'm like, oh, I see what they were trying to do here. And it's actually it's really endearing and, and gives this movie a really nice flavor to it. So that's my showstopper. That's so good. That's so good. Uh, I wish I could steal that, but then uh, I, w- I couldn't be true to myself, but that's, that's just so perfect. Um, it makes me think of home alone, you know, where exactly. McAllister is horrified in, in his house and uh, so good. So good. My uh, showstopper goes to your scene stealer. My showstopper is the one and only James Earl Jones. Yes. It was his, his performance maybe give him a whole a whole category rather than an acting award, uh, because just like you said, he's warm, he's relatable. Um, he he turns the the kids' idea uh, just a, a full one eighty uh, for them. I just I don't know that there's many actors that can do that who can be built up so much through exposition and through storytelling, and then you finally see them, and even if they're not what the characters expect or what the audience expects, they are exactly what the audience needs at that point of the story. Uh, so I, I liken it to um, you're, you're putting all of your chips in on this character and on this performance. If he, if he's a bad actor or if he, or if he just, just misses the mark, the movie kind of falls apart. You know, you've built the stakes up so high. I would uh, liken it to um, uh, 1917 to Richard Madden, the brother that they're going after to save. And Richard Madden is incredible. We, I knew this going into the movie. I've seen several of his work, but uh, several pieces of his work but going into it I was like I hope he nails it man and he did and that's what James Earl Jones does in this as well he's so uh man he's such a professional and I just loved it so much so my showstopper Mr. James Earl Jones yeah he's an, he is an underappreciated actor he really is like he's been in some big movies he's been, he's had some big roles and he just always brings it he's so good yeah. um good pick all right now we're on to director shoes things that we would critique or things that we would change about this movie for me, it's the it's the it's the narrative, but it's in general like point A to point B, like how you get how you get from beginning and end to the movie. Like I said, I think this plot just really kind of meanders around. Like I think what they really wanted to make was like just a baseball childhood nostalgia movie. And in a lot of ways they did, but they added in all these storylines that were like like the um Cindy Peppercorn, was that her peppercorn is that her name like that feels really random the like playing baseball against the other team while a good scene is like not really essential to the plot they they eventually kind of settle in on it being about like getting the ball back from this dog and i think that that is where the movie hits its stride and that's sort of the good part you know the movie's like an hour and 45 minutes long they probably could have cut some of those other scenes and just left it to like 
hey, Scotty Smalls finally gets good at baseball, but when he does, he smashes this autograph ball over the fence and, you know, just kind of like clean it up a little bit there because I feel like it just isn't clean and it kind of meanders around and, and you're left at the end with a movie that has a little bit of an identity crisis problem, um, which doesn't kill it because it's a kid's movie in, in a lot of ways. I mean, I know there's like swearing and things like that, but it's a movie that's really like tells a kid's story. Mm-hmm. So it is forgiven by the fact that it has so much heart, but the plot is probably the biggest thing that I think drags this movie down. So that's my director's shoes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. Um, the th- one thing that's working against uh, the Sandlot rewatch is that I am actually in season six of six of my rewatch of the wonder years. Um, fantastic television series um, through the nineties. If you haven't watched it, uh, you didn't grow up in the nineties uh, because it's actually from the sixties <laughs> and it's, it's so funny how, how it just, uh, I just had to watch it. There is a narrator in the entire series of the wonder years, it's Mr. Daniel Stern speaking of home alone and talk about a shocking revelation that he is an incredible narrator and his voice is so rich and you wouldn't expect it. Uh, knowing the things you've seen Daniel Stern and bushwhacked, uh, home alone, home alone too, you know, all those things. So when we hear the, the narrator in this, it, it was hard for me, honestly. And then the narrator, I believe is actually the director of the film, uh, as, as I looked it up, and I'm got, I gotta say, man, I think I think he should have hired a voice actor because the narration in the story is heavy. Uh, you know, he's talking about you know reliving his life and the, and the whole story kind of it crutches on that because there are fill in the blanks, there are uh, there are jokes landed in that, and it's just. It's not rich enough. Uh, I, I don't think that I could be a voice actor, but my wife really could because there's something uh, magical in the tin, in the timber of her voice. So I just I really wish they would have uh, they would have invested in a voice actor for that. That took me out of it a little bit, and then I would agree with you. Uh, definitely a part of my my list for director's shoes is that there are some there's some fat that needs to be cut out of here. There you know there's these pieces that don't tied to the storyline or sometimes there's it's too long uh, for for instance you know beast is integral uh, f- to this to this film but sometimes it goes on a little bit too long they're screaming a little bit too long they're whining about him a little bit too long they show one too many uh, scenes of him swiping a bass a baseball you know uh, those things for me brought this movie down but still uh, it's still magical especially for a kid when you're when you're just trying to capture all of it and take it in and quote this movie left and right. So that's my, that's my take. I'm so glad you chose the narrator tool because I, I also felt that and it was almost my director's shoes because it's like, it is like an audible narrator. That's what's weird about it. It's like the tone of it is totally off for the tone of the movie and it does take you out of it. It has you like in this weird place where you're like, Oh, that just doesn't sound right. And you know, halfway through the movie, like the narrator's popping in at random times. Like we haven't heard from him in a super long time. And then he says like one line to transition. Yes. And I'm like, dude, did we even need the narrator tool? Did <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, did we need to use that? Cause it's not always necessary. And I don't know that it was necessarily necessary <laughs> here. Um, so I just wonder about that choice because I, I agree. I don't think it adds anything. And I think it takes away way more than it adds. Oh, but man, narration uh, tactics and techniques were big at yes, this time. Yes, that is well, true. That is I mean, true. 
you had a Christmas story, you had this, you had the wonder years, you have, uh, what's, what's the movie with all the girls, um, um, now and then, or, or, uh, now and again, I love that movie. I can't think of it. Um, it's got, it's got Christina Ricci in it and, uh, whatever it is. Yeah. Now and again, probably, but there's so many movies with that narration tool. Right. And uh, that's why I think it was, it was necessary, uh, for the time at least. Yeah, sure. Um, it's a good point. Historical context matters when you, when you're watching <laughs> when you're watching classic films. That's something that I'm out of practice with. But let's go into overall thoughts and scores. I think for me, I like the word that you used, magical. I think it's a perfect summary for this movie. It captures that childhood magic, and that's what that's why I think this movie has stuck with people, and why people still have a really soft place in their heart for this movie because it does capture that childhood feeling. And it's funny, like. I don't remember it being a period piece. Like I don't remember it being set in like back in the day from when I was a kid, it was just like a kid's movie and it was cool and it was about baseball and it was fun and had all these fun characters like squints and yeah, yeah. And ham, like all these super fun little character tropes. And so for that, I still think the movie's good. I think it, I think it holds up. It's, it's exactly what you expect. No more. Um, like I said, you know, I think my critiques are pretty clear. I think it's got a little, you know, could have used a, a cleaner edit, could have used a little bit more focus on the plot or just simplification in general. And, um, you know, if they make those few tweaks, it's a fantastic movie. But I think for what it is, it's a 7-3 um, and it's it's worth a watch and something that, you know, I will always remember this movie for that reason. It's just a nice it, it, it is a 90s nostalgia movie and a good one. Excellent, excellent. One thing we didn't talk too much about was really the ensemble aspect of this and that to be able to capture all of these very unique personalities uh, into such a such a short amount of time, an hour 40, I think they did a pretty good job. Uh, there are times where they you know, where you think they're going to linger on someone or there's a line that fits the character, but you're like, all right, you're reaching, you know, from a very, a very critical hat. Uh, you know, though, even with those beats in there, it's still, uh, still fantastic to watch and still wonderful to see the, the creativity because you don't see many movies uh, like that anymore where you see ensemble pieces, you see them reaching at every moment to create those characters or they threw that type of character in just because they knew that it would draw some laugh in the trailer. That's it. And then you don't see them for anything else, but this one had good continuity with that. Um, I loved, I love the feel good story. I love the underdog story. I love, uh, I love how it, it, we saw them as kids. And then he's the, he's the broadcaster talking about his friend, you know, just just hitting that Homer. So it's, it's a fantastic film. It's got some trouble, but man, is it a home run for me? Uh, 7.8. 7.8. Yes, sir. Good score. We were pretty close there. We were pretty close. That's, that's, that's interesting. Not too far off. So yeah, that's the sand a lot. Um, interested to hear other people's thoughts. If this is one of your favorites from back in the day, hit us up. Let us know your thoughts on this movie. Does it still hold up? Do you still watch it all the time? Because this had, this had been a long time for me since I had seen it. But if you want to watch it uh, and you have a Hulu subscription, you can watch it on Hulu for free um, with your subscription. So take a stroll down memory lane and uh, let us know your thoughts on The Sandlot. And also thank you to Andy for using your card we appreciate you we appreciate your listenership and for making us have a little bit of fun this week we got to uh 
kind of zone out and, and take in an old movie, which was, which was good. Yeah. I guess we can like release that again. It's kind of like an immunity idol from Survivor. Yeah. We'll just put it back in play, right? <laughs> yeah. We'll just create another one. We'll just leave it in a random place. Yes. And you must, you must go find it <laughs> listeners. Yeah. We'll do a scavenger hunt for it. Nobody will play. It'll be good. Um, okay. Shifting gears in a pretty major way. We're shifting to Oscars mode. It is officially time for the Oscars. They're coming up this Sunday. You can almost taste it. It's time for the, all the big awards to be handed out. And I thought with this year, you know, 2020 being the year that it was in general, but also in film and the Oscars, you know, the nomination slate being as intriguing as it really is this year, it would be a good idea to do our schoolyard pick of 2021 Oscar storylines. So let's kick it off. We're each going to pick a team of five. What we think are the most intriguing storylines to follow on Oscars night. Kirk, you get to kick us off. What is your number one pick? I get to pick us off? Yes. Oh, this is crazy. Okay, this is a weird one. Are you ready? I got weird ones. I'm uh, ready. For yeah, this. let's get weird. Um, Borat is actually going to become the longest movie title in Oscars history. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I am fascinated with uh, Borat's uh, success. Uh, Borat one and this one. It's it's absolutely insane that in uh, in the entire you know, what is this the ninety fourth uh, Academy 93rd. Awards yeah ninety third right ninety yeah. third and this this is the movie that breaks that record and then will hold that record until someone it. has a longer title. It it's just it's just everything I hoped and dreamed for because. It's not like it feels like it should be a cult classic, but it's front and center and it's and it's actually well done. And that's why it's getting the notoriety. So I wish all the best for the for the Borat team, because it'll be really funny to see them win. And they put out a good quality movie, too. Yeah. And Sasha Baron Cohen is a genius of a creator. He really is like he is an incredible performer. He's got a lovely singing voice, actually. Yes, um, he's a fantastic actor. You know, he, he's, he's actually, he's nominated, right? For, for the trial of the Chicago seven, unless yes, I'm misremembering. Mm-hmm. So he really is, you know, like a huge, really good performer. But I just, my favorite thing about that is you mentioning like it being etched in history for all time. Borat. I love the, like the thought of like 75 years from now, people being like, I want to go back and look at these really old classic movies. And like Borat being one of those is just a (laughs) hilarious thought to me. And I love it so much. Okay. My number one pick, uh, I hate to bring us down emotionally here, but I have to go with Chadwick Boseman having a chance to win his first Oscar posthumously. Um, I hate that it's posthumously for obvious reasons. I I Mm -hmm. very much wish that Chadwick Boseman was still with us. Um, Let's be clear about this. And this is why I wanted this to be my number one pick. If he wins, I don't want to hear this Heath Ledger trash that I've been hearing for years that Heath Ledger only won for the dark Knight because he passed away. First of all, that's just patently false, but also it will be false in the case of Chadwick Boseman. There is Stiff competition, like there always is in the acting categories this year. And Chadwick Boseman 100% is uh, right up there. And, and, and you know, May has a really good chance at winning. And if he does, I don't want to hear that storyline because this performance in My Rainey's Black Bottom is remarkable and 
is really a, a very beautiful performance to sort of be his final big career highlight because it just captures so much of his essence and he did such an incredible job in this movie. Like I can't say enough about it. So um, that's my big storyline and I'll, I will be actively rooting for that because I think it would be great. Yes. Yep. And he, he actually, um, not many actors have been nominated nor won uh, posthumously. He would be the eighth actor in the acting category to be nominated posthumously. Wow. Um, if he wins, he'll only be the third actor to win. Uh, so behind uh, Peter Finch for Network and of course Heath Ledger for The Dark Knight. So could be could be really amazing, um, in, you know, despite the, the tragedy surrounding it. Uh, but again, uh, he pulled out one heck of a performance yes. for that role yes. uh, as I was watching it. And in a way, in a weird way, you know, when I watched that movie and knowing I'm like, he might get nominated. I watched it thinking, you know, will he get nominated just, again? Will he get nominated just simply because of his death or not? And I watched that movie and I said, this is an all-star performance yeah. regardless of where he's at. Um, and so it was very, it was very uh, fantastic uh, to see he's number eight and to see if he wins it will be super cool. Yeah, definitely. All right, what's your second pick? My second pick shall be... Um, this is a strange Oscar tradition uh, that may continue for its 20th year in a row. Uh, there's this weird thing that's happened 20 years in a row. So crazy stuff, crazy stuff, uh, where a, uh, a film has been nominated for Best Original Screenplay, but nothing else. Uh, so movies in the past have been Knives Out, Straight out of Compton, uh, in Bruges, Molly's Game, nothing else. This year, it's called The White Tiger, and I've not seen it. I want to now. Yeah, because, I want to watch it. I haven't gotten to yet because I love all those other movies uh, that are in that list. So that's got to be on my list. Hopefully, before before the uh, the Oscars hit next week, we'll see if I can squeeze it in. But twenty years, like that's insane. Like what what's going on there that the that they don't get any other nominations and it it's so uh, it's so frequent because. These are the movies that I play on repeat all the other ones. So I want to see, I want to see this happen and I want to see it win because if it has no other nominations, full speed ahead, go for it. Yeah, that, that would be very interesting. It, it would be good. And, and you'd love to see a sleeper, an upset, something to shake it up. You know, there's so many articles and there's, I mean, there's goldderbygod.com for God's sakes, like that predict these awards and they get it right with a certain degree of accuracy. But it's always nice whenever it's like, ooh, that that was a different one. That was something different that we weren't expecting. Um, so that yes. would be cool. That would be very cool with its one nomination to take home the victory. That's 1,000 batting average there. That's, that's what you want. Um, okay, my second storyline, we might have two years in a row where a foreign language film and actually more specifically a, a film that's primarily in Korean uh, being the winner of best picture. If, if Minari yes. wins this year, it will mark the second year in a row that that has happened with a foreign language film. Uh, obviously Parasite winning last year. And as I said on the show last week, when we reviewed Minari, I, I feel like that's the play. I, I feel like that's the movie that needs to win. Um, I think it's brilliant. I think it's fantastic. I think if you look back at, and, and we'll obviously get into more Oscar stuff, you know, on Sunday and beyond. But if you look back at the Oscars, I feel like used to pick the movie that was the biggest technical movie achievement. And now I feel like in the last, you know, with, with some, some, with a high degree of consistency, they have started to pick the movie with the best narrative. 
Yes. And for me, that is undoubtedly Minari. And so I feel like it's got a really good shot. And I would love to see Lee Isaac Chung and, and his whole team take home that award because I think it's a brilliant movie. So that is one I will definitely be watching for on Oscar Sunday. Agreed, agreed. My hat is also, my chips are also on Minari. Uh, my next pick, I got to go back to Borat because, again, it's it's so fascinating to me. Borat is has got all these parallels to other fantastic awards. So uh, two things, this is crazy, two things more about Borat, and I'm going to squeeze them into one, uh, is that Borat is the new godfather is uh, is what I've I've read online here from the BBC, <laughs> uh, which I love this parallel. So because it is uh, it is the second um, it only it holds the record for uh, a film with a sequel. So this is the Borat, the, you know, and subsequent movie film uh-huh. Borat the sequel in the best supporting actress category. It is only the second time that this has happened that from a sequel that someone has been nominated for the best supporting actor. So Maria Bakalova, who does an excellent job in in Borat, subsequent movie film, uh, she's she holds she holds her own next to Sasha Baron Cohen in such a phenomenal way that you just really uh, feel like she's been at this at this acting game for so much longer than she has. And uh, I know she's been on uh, Hollywood's radar to be put in a lot of other things. And I, I see big things from her. So to be yeah, nominated she's only for, 24, only 24. Yes, yes. Yeah. So to be nominated for that with such high regard for for a movie and for such a very very specific uh, nomination. <laughs> it's it's super exciting. The second one is Borat is the oh, is the fourth film, only the fourth film in Academy history to have both its original and its sequel nominated for best screenplay. Wow! Only the fourth, though. And one of those is the Godfather uh, franchise. So, I, I, I just got to say, I mean, are we going to get a third one? I don't know. Should he stop here because the third ones never go well? He but. said he was going to stop because he like was in danger at multiple times during this, and he was like, yeah. "I do not want to die." So, <laughs> you know, yeah, got to give him credit for knowing when to uh, pump the brakes there. Probably his wife, you know, Elsa, so. <laughs> <laughs> Isla, Isla Fisher. Yeah. yeah, so wonderful, wonderful. That's my pick. I love it. Uh, for my third pick, I'm going with another like first time thing. I feel like this is going to be a really interesting year for the Oscars because I feel like this is all the all the stars sort of aligned for this to really be like the year of diversity for the Oscars because of a yeah. number of reasons. First of all, after Oscar So White and some of the issues that the Academy has had um, in the past, they made a concerted effort to increase the level of diversity in the Academy Awards. I feel like that is reflected in the nomination. I mean, I would assume that it's reflected in the nomination since they added all these new members. Um, but additionally, because of the COVID year in 2020, so many of the big movies got delayed, got pushed back, you know, whatever, um, canceled, etc. And so you end up with this kind of being the year of the indie film. And so we get all of these really cool stories and voices that are new to the scene. So the next one I'm going to focus on is, uh, Chloe Zhao being the first uh, female and woman of color to be nominated for um, best director and for being the first woman to be nominated for four Oscars in the same award for 
directing, producing, editing, and writing Nomadland. So Chloe Zhao, hat tip to you, my friend. I think she's going to have a big night. I, I expect her to have a big night. If the if the pundits are correct, she's going to have a massive night and take home all the big prizes. So we'll see what happens. Nomadland has certainly been the front runner of award season by a wide margin so far. The Oscars has, has a tendency to shake things up a little bit, so we will see uh, how she fares. But uh, e- either way, massive accomplishment for Chloe Zhao, and we are going to see lots more from her because she is just getting started. Amazing. My next pick kind of goes along with that, is that there are two female directors in the Best Directing category, um, Chloe Zhao and Emerald Fennell uh, for Nomadland and Promising Young Woman, respectively. Uh, that is a feat in 93 years. Uh, it seems like we should have got here sooner, but exciting <laughs> that it's happening now. Um I think that, you know, we've watched both of these films and even though I wasn't the biggest fan of Nomadland, there's no there's no question of its quality of filmmaking. Um, I just wasn't a fan of the story. There's yeah. no question of the the level of technique and care and uh, and specificity and intention that that's all going into that. So, and the same with Promising Young Woman. There were there were excellent and amazing things that I haven't even seen in film or things that were familiar but kind of t- again turned on their head. So, very very cool, very exciting. Uh, looking at this this whole this whole cast. I don't know where it's going to go. It could be, it's anyone's game uh, for the full, for the full five that are in there, but super exciting that uh, what's two divided by five, that percentage, thank you, is, is in there already. So kudos to the women that are in there leading the way. Absolutely. Uh, My fourth pick, right? Fourth. I think fourth. Yeah, maybe. I think fourth. Yeah. I think fourth. Uh, so we're going to end up doing a schoolyard pick of like 10. Uh, <laughs> but my fourth pick is Viola Davis, man. The queen, Viola Davis. She, what can you say about Viola Davis? I root for her every single time. I think she's absolutely brilliant. She played a very small role in terms of screen time in uh, My Rainey's Black Bottom, but was her normal, incredible self. She is the best of the best. And she has a chance to become the first uh, black actress to win two Academy Awards. Yes. And that would be an amazing achievement. Anyone winning two Academy Awards is huge. She might actually be, I haven't checked on that part, but I don't know. She might be the first black actor, regardless of gender to win two Academy Awards. So that would be an incredible achievement. And she's the perfect person to do it she that you won't find a more accomplished actor somebody who just comes in and dominates her range is stupid her range is stupid she can play (laughs) anything nobody typecasts her anymore she just comes in and just rocks it and uh if you're going to see a movie and she's on the cast list you are in for a show so congrats to viola davis well deserved i will be rooting for you on oscar sunday very nice very nice um so i guess i gotta go my last one is gonna be a bit surprising um because i'm gonna get hate mail but i'm not like the biggest francis mcdormand fan i know everyone else (laughs) is but this is pretty cool i so i'm gonna put my pride aside because this is really neat uh uh again shout out to the women she is the first woman in oscar in oscar and academy awards history to receive an acting and a producing nomination in the same 
year. That's awesome. So that is pretty, pretty cool. Several other women have gone before her and they've gotten nominations for both in separate years, even though they were back to back, but not the same year. So pretty neat. So bravo, Miss Frances McNorman. Cool. Yeah. Also, I don't know. Personally, I just never like I have. I am someone who does really like Frances McDormand and has followed her career and, and really enjoyed a lot of her performances. She has a chance to be a two-time acting Oscar winner, you know, for yes. this and three billboards. I don't know that I ever saw that coming just because of the kinds of roles that she takes, but she's a master of her craft as well and would be well-deserving if that's the case. I feel like that's our race, man. Viola Davis versus Frances McDormand and what a slugfest that is. Whoever emerges victorious will be absolutely well deserving so that'll that is a big category to watch the best actress category on on sunday night uh, and for my final pick i'm going back to the best actor category and mr anthony hopkins um has a chance to win best actor in the academy awards what is it 30 years after he first won it for um silence of the lambs <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> Which is, uh, uh, you know, a brilliant performance as Hannibal Lecter. Um, if you have not seen this movie, The Father, unfortunately, you do have to buy it VOD, but it's good. You know, um, support the support the film industry, which needs some support right now. Anthony Hopkins, man, what I, you know, I was ready to totally mail in my ballot and say Chadwick Boseman for for best actor. And I still think that's very much possible and that he would be very well deserving. But Anthony Hopkins, man, in The Father, gives a remarkable performance and one that is just incredibly, incredibly touching. So I don't know, man. It's it's going to be tight. Either one of those two that wins would be incredible. But the fact that Anthony Hopkins has a chance to win, you know, 29, 30 years after the first time he did it, um, what a story. And, and that movie, the, the father is, I think I actually posted on social that it's the saddest movie that didn't make me cry. It's like one of those <laughs> movies that's like sad in a weird way where you're just sitting there like in shock. Like this is so sad. I hate it. Like I'm, ha I'm having an existential crisis. Like I can't even cry because I'm thinking so much about my mortality in my life. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those movies. And hit, like I said, his performance is, I mean, just beautiful. So if, if he wins, just know if you haven't seen the movie that it's well-deserved. And so we'll see what happens. But either of those two gentlemen emerging, emerging victorious would be a huge win. So we'll see what happens on the big night. And that is the end of our schoolyard pick and the end of our episode. We, Kirk and I are finalizing the plans for what we are going to do on Oscar Sunday. You will be seeing and hearing from us on that day. I am certain of it. It's a big day for us. It's a big day for all of us movie lovers out there. And we will be all over it for you guys. Um, and next week, you know, we'll have lots of Oscar recaps and things like that. So it'll be a good time. Be sure to tune in on ABC for the Oscars on Sunday and be sure to hang with us on discord. You can catch the link in the description. We've got a community that's growing in there. We're sharing news. We're sharing memes. We're sharing recommendations. Um, it's a fun time. If you, if you love TV and movies, uh, even if you don't, and you just want to hang with us, like come chill and discord. It's super easy to join. You just that's download right. the app, click the link. They'll take care of it all for you. It's, it's a fun time. Um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the finale is this Friday. Man, we've got a huge weekend ahead of us. The finale is this Friday. We've been following that every single week on our series Spilled Popcorn. 
And we will be wrapping that one up next week in what is certain to be a massive finale for that show. So we cannot wait. Be sure to check out that on Friday and then come back with us next week and check out our video of Spilled Popcorn. If you need to catch the old episodes, they are on YouTube um, with the exception of episode five. I'm still working on video editing there, but they're also on the podcast. So you can find all of them by scrolling through Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever. So... I think that's all we got. We got a lot of big stuff coming up. Mortal Kombat comes out this Friday. I would bet, Kirk, that's going to be where our review goes this week. So if you're looking for for next week, if you're looking for something to watch in preparation for next week's episode, check out Mortal Kombat on HBO Max. You can actually watch the first seven minutes of the movie right now on HBO that's Max, right. uh, which is a bad sign. I, <laughs> that's never a good <laughs> sign. Anytime they're like, check out the first few minutes, it's like, like they did that with New Mutants. I remember they did it with that movie Aloha. Um, and Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's always like one of these things where I'm like, I don't know. Does that mean the movie's bad? But let's let's hope. Let's hope for Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. It's going to be a good Finish time. <laughs> it's going to be a good time. So that's all we got. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, we want to give a special thank you to our friends at rhetoric who composed our original music you can find them on spotify and apple music everywhere you can get music and we will see you guys later on for the oscars talk to you then